The Landsat program is all about land change over time, but we can't image the past. Or can we? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Eyes on Earth. We're a podcast that focuses on our ever-changing planet and on the people here at Eros and across the globe who use remote sensing to monitor and study the health of Earth. I'm your host for today, Tom Adamson. Many of these Eyes on Earth podcasts have emphasized the value of the Landsat archive, especially noting that it's the depth of the archive that makes it so valuable and useful for any number of land change studies. There's an unsung hero in this, a program that made the Landsat Archive considerably deeper than it could have been without it. The Landsat Global Archive Consolidation, or LGAC, which is affectionately referred to around here as LGAC. Joining us today to talk about LGAC are Todd Taylor and Jason Holter. Todd is the Contract Task Lead for Sustaining Land Imaging Partnership Support, which includes LGAC. Jason is the Task Manager for LMOP which is Landsat Missions Operations Project, Ground Operations. So first of all, there was a lot of Landsat data from the early Landsats that was not in the archive here at Eros. So Todd, tell us, how did that happen? That happened because early missions of the Landsat satellites were not able to downlink all of the data to Eros ground station. So we partnered with a lot of international agencies that had ground receiving stations and the Landsat satellites downlinked to those stations unique data, which became part of their archive. Those scenes, the data that was downlinked to them were not part of the Eros archive. And eventually there was the LGAC project that was started to get all that data repatriated to the USGS. Okay, and about when did LGAC begin? I think it was around 2009, 2010. 2010, yes. Okay. I think a lot of talks prior to that, but I, I think the rubber hit the road really in 2010. And we don't have that going on with the current Landsats that are operating. Landsats 8 and 9 can store data on board. That's right. Landsat 8 and 9 can downlink all the data that it acquires to the USGS at Eros. There is still a portion of LGAC that could happen if there is a recording error of some kind that we need to go back and get that data from the international cooperators. We do have that mechanism in place. Okay, so LGAC could be something of a backstop in case anything was lost with current data? That's correct, assuming the international cooperator received that data. So going back to the older Landsats that did that had some kind of limitations with how much data they could store, when you went to these ground stations, how were they able to send the data to Eros? The data came back in many different types of formats from HDDTs, sometimes via FTP. I can let Jason explain a little bit more about the historical media that this data arrived in. You said HDDT. Maybe Jason can describe what that is. HDDT is a high-density digital tape. They kind of look like your uh, your big old reels on, on your movie projectors, like you see on the movie projectors, the big tape reels. They're big old tapes. I think the largest tape is 10,000 feet of tape, and I think the smaller tapes are like 5,000 feet or something like that. So there's well over a mile of tape on these uh, high-density tapes from a Landsat 
five perspective, they could record up to two passes on that one tape. Okay. And so some of the data that came to us from these other ground stations was electronically transferred, and a bunch of it came in shipments of these old media like that. Are we still able to read data off of that old media? Yeah, the USGS has some Honeywell high-definition tape drives, HDT drives, from Martin Marietta to Honeywell. I think those are the, the two main brands that uh, the USGS has in-house. Over the years, we've brought those systems back up from storage and uh, tried reading all these sample tapes that Todd and, and others have gone and worked with the international cooperators with to get us sample tapes. And we've restored these various systems and, and tried recording or uh, reading these tapes. And we, we've had success with stations in Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Thailand. I think those were the three key ones that we've uh, had some major success with. We are trying to get some Ampex tape drives running to potentially read some high-density tapes from Brazil and some additional high-density tapes that Thailand has. They had uh, a couple different flavors, if you will, one that worked with our Honeywell drives and then another one that we're trying to see if we can get to work with our Ampex drives. This strikes me as doing something like bringing an old box down from the attic filled with eight-track tapes, and then we <laughs> want to try to play them on our smartphone or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> are, there, are there any particular challenges with these tapes? Oh, yeah. There's uh, how they've been stored. We're having to bake the tapes to deal with the oxide. So we're baking them for periods of time, I think up to 24 hours at a low temperature. We're running them through a winder cleaner system and then uh, running them through exercise drives to fast forward to the end of tape, rewind to the beginning of tape to repack the tapes. And then we attempt to read them on our ingest drives. Okay. So some of these tapes might not be in the best condition, and then they need to go through this process? In some cases, the technology didn't exist anymore, and we had to procure new technology, going back to some old design documents, having a manufacturer create that and ship it to us just to be able to read some of these historic tapes that we've received from the ICs. Many of these tapes were stored at the international cooperators in an area that was a rainforest. And when we did get them back, they had mold and other issues like that, which required us to have the tape baking, the cleaning, and run them through different processes just so that we would be able to read the data. And this process was pretty successful. We're able to get the data off of most of these? The moldy tapes, the more moldy tapes that Todd is talking about are the digital cassette tapes. They're DCTs. They're different type media than the high-density digital tape. But they look like, the DCTs look like an oversized VHS tape, if you remember the old VHS tapes and VCRs back in the day. Okay. This looks like a VHS tape that's probably about three times the size of a VHS tape. Those are the ones that we've been working with from Indonesia that have had various levels of moisture damage, uh, mold. I believe we've had over 300 of these tape media. And as of today, I think we're down to about 40 left to go. We started working with this media. It was prior to Landsat 8 launching. And then uh, we had some challenges with the old drives and keeping the systems up and running. Over the years, we've brought subject matter expert out of retirement from Ampex. 
His name is George. George has been out to Arrows a few times and helped our engineer get these old uh, drives running to read these tapes. And then we've also been working with Bow Industries to uh, custom make a winder cleaner to run these moisture damage tapes through. So that, that's been a few-year process to get uh, the drives running, get people out here to get bow winder cleaners through procurement process and purchased. And I think it was last October we started up on the remaining 125 tapes that are the real challenging ones that have various levels of mold on them. We're, we're down to about 40 to go. So we, we are having some uh, great success with this, but uh, it has been a very long process over the years. Well, with Landsats 8 and 9 having the ability to store data on board and LGAC being something more of a, a fail-safe for that, is there a time when LGAC will, will come to an end or at least wind down a little bit more? We're getting to the point where the remaining scenes to capture from LGAC are the most troublesome. That ends up being a return on investment question, really. We will keep working the project as long as there's funding and data to get, but at some point, it's just going to be cost prohibitive to go after those remaining scenes. Okay. So far, it seems to have been worthwhile up until the really challenging ones. And I was kind of wondering, why do we go through all this trouble anyway? What are the benefits of pulling all the Landsat data together into one place? For one thing, it's added 6.6 million images to the archive, and it's growing. Many of these are unique scenes, scenes that did not exist in the USGS archive, but existed in the International Cooperators Archive. What this does is it gets those unique scenes available to the public who can use them. A lot of these areas that have collected images are over rainforests, which Clouds are an issue there, so every pixel, every bit of data that we get that's cloud-free is valuable somewhere. Someone will be able to use that for research projects going forward. And here at Eros, we process all of the Landsat data to a consistent standard, and then uh, researchers around the world are able to have the confidence that the data is all consistent. But I got to repeat that number you said again. 6.6 million images have been added to the Landsat archive through LGAC. Now, let me see if I have this number up to date. There's about 10.3 million scenes that are downloadable and usable in the Landsat archive. So that's pretty remarkable. Landsat LGAC added that many more scenes. That's more than much more than half of the Landsat archive. Yeah, that's correct. That's really been a successful mission when you consider that many of the data is unique to the archive. I'd like to thank Todd Taylor and Jason Holter, part of the LGAC team at Eros, who found a way to image the past. Thank you for joining us on Eyes on Earth. You can find all our shows on the USGS Eros website. You can also follow Eros on Facebook or Twitter to find the latest episodes or to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. This podcast. This podcast. This podcast. This podcast. Is a product of the U.S. Geological Survey, Department of Interior.